Money and travel are related. You need the you need money to travel. And a lot of us have things that are financially holding us back, like student loan debt, like credit card debt. So how can we you know push those to the side and use the funds that we have for the things that really bring us fulfillment in life? So that's where travel and money uh, came together. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of Black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Hey loves, it's Wanda, the host of the Black Women Travel Podcast. I'd like to invite you to become a patron of the Black Women Travel Podcast. There are a few budget-friendly tiers you can choose from so that as a community, we can continue to heal, ask for what we deserve, get it, and inspire the next generation. Tap the link in the show notes and choose a monthly contribution that suits you. I'm so excited about the episodes you'll hear that will nudge you to love yourself deeper and take more action in your life from that empowered place. Please consider becoming a monthly subscriber through patreon.com slash bwtpod. Get ready to hear another great episode. Today, y'all are in for a treat. We have billionaire Bay on the podcast. Can you please introduce yourself? Tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business. Well, you know, that makes me smile. Billionaire Bay, like we're going to speak that into existence. But my name is Danielle Desir. I am currently based in Connecticut in the USA, and I am the founder of two businesses. My personal brand is called The Thought Card, and my Facebook community of women of color podcasters is called WOC Podcasters. So tell me, like, what does uh, The Thought Card, what does it mean? So I really came up with the name when me and an ex- we're actually getting into little tidbits. He would send me thought cards, uh, just really handwritten notes of what he was thinking at the time. And I was like, this is lame. Like, who, why don't you talk to me like a human? You know, communication is key that way. Um, but over time, I really realized that I have an affinity for writing and personally sharing my thoughts. So something that originally I laughed at now is something that I do all the time. And uh, my brand, The Thought Card, is really me sharing my thoughts and my journey. And I really focus on travel as well as money. I don't know if you watch uh, The Black Lady Sketch Show. No, but I know I've heard of it before. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's just a sketch where she's like, ew, don't talk about your feelings. And that's what I thought when you said... (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm more of an analytical person, but you know, here we are today. So just being open minded has really, has really led me to some awesome, awesome adventures. Indeed. And I would love to get into the details of this story. So like, let us know, like, did you come from a traveling family? Like, how did travel come to your life? 
Sure. So I would say yes. I came from a traveling family, but I was from the family that went to the same place back home every single year. So from the age of, I would say, three up until I was a sophomore in high school, I would visit my grandparents in Haiti every summer. And that's where I learned how to speak the language, Haitian Creole, learn the food. I mean, I lived like a local pretty much four months out of the year growing up in Haiti. So that was really, really cool. But we never went on family vacations like to Disney World, which I really wanted to go to. And I still talk to my mom about that all the time. <laughs> but like we never went to like other places except for uh, going back home. <laughs> I love the... Um... Like the guilt trip. (laughs) (laughs) You know, other kids was doing all kinds of stuff. And like, we, we never did that. So why? Um, So you are first generation American. I am. I am. What was your experience like with that? Especially having spent so much time in Haiti. Yeah, it was. It's really interesting because a lot of times, especially when I was younger, I would come back uh, from spending four months, literally the day that we got out of school in elementary school, my mom would ship me off and she'd be like, bye. Uh, But I would spend so long in Haiti that when I would come back to the States to start school shortly after, I wouldn't even remember how to speak English that well. So it was super, super interesting um, growing up with that duality. And Um, I think I credit being able to speak Haitian Creole fluently to actually being there and living there. Um, And it's something that I think about all the time. You know, I don't have a family yet, but when I do start a family, how am I going to preserve the culture? How am I going to teach in the language? I would love for them to be fluent in, you know, my native language and, you know, the native language that my partner is from. But it's hard when you're not actually there, you know. And even now, like, I haven't been to Haiti for, like, something like 10 years. And my Creole is not as sharp as it used to be. So it's it's all really interesting how it all plays together. Yeah, because, you know, language, like, definitely changes. You see how often it happens, like, just at America and the new lingo that pops up. So I think that that's really uh, key to, like, a living language is how much it morphs. So that's really interesting. Um, You started your blog in 2015, correct? I did. I did. So, So what happened? So you went to school. You got, like, all the degrees. And then you're in your job and you were like, there's still something that there's more work I have in me. There's a different kind of work I have in me. Like, how how did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated from college in 2011, like winter 2011, and I went straight to grad school. And I spent about a year and a half in grad school. So I was done by 2013. And soon after, I got my first job. And one of the things for me that really stuck, and it's a theme in my life, is that at a young age, travel was so ingrained in me that I didn't end up appreciating it, which is why in high school, I just literally stopped going to visit my grandparents. And instead, I hung out with my friends and got a job at the movie theaters, and I thought that making money was great. And I really threw away the concept of traveling, and I really did not appreciate it. But over time, what I realized that when I got to college, there were spring break trips with my friends and money was tight. I couldn't really, quote unquote, afford it. 
and study abroad was an option for me. But again, quote unquote, I couldn't afford it. So here I am now as a young adult wanting to travel and there, you know, it looks like it's attainable for me, but the finances was a really big issue. So I said to myself uh, when I decided that I couldn't go to study abroad in Paris that I would, when I, once I got my big girl job, that I would figure out a way to go to Paris. It was a big dream of mine. I'm like, there's no reason why if I have a full-time job that I can't squirrel some money away. And what I did is I went on that solo trip after saving for a year. I went on that first solo trip to Paris in 2014. But in the back of my mind, I was like, gosh, like there has to be a cool way for me to document this stuff besides just putting it on Facebook. And then, you know, after a couple of days, it kind of like wears off its shininess. And I kind of let it sit there for a while. I kind of had this analysis paralysis, like, where do you start? How do you do it? Do I need to be a tech person to start a blog? And it wasn't until 2015 that I went on a second trip to Europe with my family, uh, my cousins, the young cousins at the time. We went to Paris again, London and Amsterdam. And then after that, I figured out, okay, I could do a WordPress.com blog for free. And then I started really writing about my travels and just regular generic like lifestyle stuff. (laughs) Uh, Just really started just starting to write. Um, But it morphed over time as I realized that I wanted to talk more about money. Like I had student loan debt out the wazoo at the time. And here I was also trying to fuel this travel and at least travel once a year. So that's really the start of me really trying to document my life journey and where money and travel uh, really came together there. And what did your parents like think about your style of travel? So you grew up going to Haiti. You stopped because you said you took it for granted. And then you started wanting to find ways to incorporate it back into your life but like in a different kind of way, like not going home essentially, right? Right, right, right. I actually, yeah, I talked to my mom about this uh, recently. Yes, it's it's really interesting because I was like, I'm actually in the process of writing a book about affording travel. And I'm like talking to my mom, like, mom, remember when I went to my first trip to Paris? How was that like for you? Like kind of interviewing her. And she told me that she was so nervous. Uh, I am from a single, uh, single parent household. So it's just really me and my mom. And she was extremely nervous about me going on my first trip to Paris. She, I think primarily was that I was by myself again, not going home. We don't really have that much family in France. Not that I can just call them up and be like, Hey, I need a place to crash or something like that. Um, so I was really out on my own, but you know, I think she saw that this was really important to me. And the fact that I saved for a year for one thing, you know, for an experience that was like for seven days, she said, okay, you know what, let me give her this chance. And um, I'm really grateful for her support. Um, over time, because I, I've done this so much, she's more relaxed now. She really only cares about what's the dates that you're going to go, send me the information for the hotel, and send me the flight information uh, because there's so much more technology and other ways that we can stay in touch. So she's so much more relaxed about it. But it did take some time for her to warm up to the idea of me traveling solo. And so what, what, I guess what I'm I'm just wondering, like, how 
her idea of travel? Like, has it changed at all? She's okay with you traveling, but like, does she see this as, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah, like that a you thing travel. that she does. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting because my grandparents, uh, they, before they immigrated to the United States, they actually lived in uh, the continent of Africa. And I'm not sure exactly which country that they lived in for a while. Uh, but my grandma talks about that one time she went to Amsterdam for a layover. So they did do a little bit of travel. But as they've gotten older, they've become so like weary and scared, primarily of air travel which I think is really interesting. Um, but my mom, as she has gotten older, she has embraced solo travel herself. She goes on cruises every year. And, you know, I really think I got that create that financial creativity from her because she knows how to find those cruise deals. Like, I don't even know how she does it, but she pays pennies on the dollar for her cruises off season. And she tries to go at least once a year, um, especially in October. And uh, in terms of family travel, we really prioritize going on a mother-daughter trip at least once a year now. So I don't think she she travels as much as me and she's not as adventurous as me, but she definitely does travel um, a lot more, especially solo. You started that original WordPress blog and then you went on to create your podcast. So you created a podca- your podcast uh, September 2018, but a little bit before that in May the same year, you created your Women of Color Facebook group for podcasters, uh, your Facebook group and your Facebook page. So what was happening in 2018 to where you were like, I want to do more than write. I love writing, but there's something else that I want to do. Yeah, for me, I I do love writing, but I am not the fastest writer and I appreciate that. And what I realized is that for the past couple of years, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and I sat down one day and I was like, I think I could create one. I have enough content on my website. I know what I'm talking about to create a podcast. But I think that first thought came to me around 2016, but I was really nervous about starting a podcast by myself. I wanted to have a co-host, but I didn't know anyone who would be a good fit, you know, to do it with. So I sat on the idea, 2017 rolls around and I hit up my friend uh, who's also a travel, a travel, a travel blogger. And I was like, Hey, let's start a, a podcast together. And he was excited, but he wasn't like energized and invigorated. Like he wasn't ready to pushed the record button. And I started to plan and really strategize. And I just realized, you know what? I'm really forcing this. Like he's not all the way there. And maybe it's best if I just drop it. So by the time May 2018 came around, still wanting to dream of starting a podcast, not knowing how, I don't even think I even researched how to start a podcast. I was just like in denial. But Spotify had this sound up boot camp and they were really looking for women of color, newbie podcasters who had an idea. All you needed was an idea to apply for this opportunity. They would fly you out to New York City. You would spend seven days getting really drilled and taught how to start a podcast. And I said to myself, you know what? This is the opportunity. This is the sign. Like, 
you know, if you were one of the 10 that got selected, you could win $10,000 to launch your show. So I was all the way, I was all the way in. May 1st came around frantically, frantically on Twitter, looking for a resemblance of who won. Danielle, you won, you won. No, I literally did not hear anything. Crickets throughout the day. And in the meantime, I just randomly looked at like, you know, in the Twitter, on Twitter, you have a function where you could do like find words, keywords. So I found the Sound Up Bootcamp and there were literally hundreds and hundreds of women talking about this one opportunity. All of us either just started a podcast or had an idea of a podcast and we were just literally waiting to hear from Spotify. So by the time like a noon, one o'clock came around, I started creating a Twitter list. So I'm like, there's no way I could keep track of all these women. Let me put it on Twitter list. But what happens with the Twitter list is that you really cannot interact with people the way that a face Facebook group you can. So I realized, you know what? Let me create a Facebook group. Um, I'm very hesitant to start the Facebook group. Not gonna lie. I've again, I've always wanted to start a Facebook group. I think I have this theme. Like I always want to do stuff, but I just kind of lurk in the background for a couple years. <laughs> But uh, I I started the Facebook group, threw up a, threw up a you know a cover art together, and just started letting women know that hey, where's here's a Facebook group that we can all keep in touch because again we didn't know who won, and I remember calling my mom that day, uh, right after I created the group, and I literally broke down crying. I'm like, mom, I am creating something. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't even know how to start a podcast, and I feel like I'm literally looking out on the edge of like, I feel like I'm on the edge of a big thing here. She's like, you know what, honey, like, don't worry, relax, be calm. Uh, don't sweat it. And, you know, just have fun with it. And, you know, that really gave me the assurance to start. And I uh, really tried to uh, formulate a small team to help me manage it. And I mean, within months, we had hundreds, thousands of women. Um, now we're at the point where we're over a year, almost a year and a half now, and we're at 2,300 women of color podcasters from over 50 countries. So what is that? What do you think your lurking in the background is about? I think it's just not feeling ready. And not feeling like maybe I have the tools and resources or the capacity to dive in. Um, I'm actually now in a place where I'm doing things scared. Uh, and I think a lot of people are, are now claiming that more, more than they did in the past. But fear would really hold me back. Uh, especially the things that I wanted to do that there wasn't a clear path for. Um, a lot of times if it was too complicated, like putting together a podcast, there's just so much information and it's all scattered unless you take a course and spend a lot of money on it. Uh, but I realized that if it's not like a beaten path, it's harder for me to get started. Um, but now it's like, okay, putting that fear aside and really going after the things that you want in life. Has there, has there been anything in particular that's helped you to move forward? Like what has helped you to take that action? Because a lot of people know, right? But not a lot of people can take that first step or the step after that or the step after that. Yeah, I would say really looking at inspirational women who are literally trailblazing and 
seeing that there is an opportunity. And I also think it, it also plays into money too, because there was a time in my life where I had a scarcity mindset and I felt like I couldn't make money. And that definitely holds you back when you feel like you can't do something. Um, and now because I read books and listen to podcasts and really try to follow inspirational women who are just really just figuring it out, like literally every day that they're just doing the work and figuring out that has really helped me to push past, push past some of the roadblocks. There are definitely days that, you know, there are things on my wish list and things that I want to accomplish that I haven't hit yet, but really focusing on what are the most important things to me and knowing that with time that I'll get through them all. Is that like a mindset that you think you inherited? A little bit. I would say, yeah, maybe. Yes, I do. I do think so. Uh, It's interesting because recently I had applied for this opportunity and I told my mom, I was like, mom, I don't think I got this. And she was like, did they say, did you know, did they give you a rejection letter? I was like, no. She's like, well, it ain't over yet. And I was like, gosh, why are you so optimistic all the time? <laughs> but I think it, I think that it does come from that upbringing. My mom is extremely, extremely, uh, she's just very open. Hearing that sometimes is really good, good for me. Because again, another thing she says to me all the time is closed mouths don't get fed. And it, it's again, who needs to know your name today? And what do you need to do to move to next step? And who do you need to talk to or who do you need to tap their shoulder and who can you help to, you know, help while you're on your journey you could also help people along the way. So I think a lot of it does come from, uh, from my upbringing, which is really interesting. That was a revelation for me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when did you, so you actually launched the, the podcast, you started your group in May, you actually launched your podcast in September. Yes. You're like, what happened to the gap? Where is the gap coming from here? Right. I, again, I was in there like, you know, doing all the things and lurking around. Um, there was actually a meetup in July. So about three months after I launched a group and everyone was talking about their shows. And I was just like, wow, that's awesome. I still need a co-host. And, uh, they looked at me and they were like, Danielle, like literally you're leading a community and you don't even have your show? Like, what are you waiting for? Stop waiting. Stop wishing, hoping, wanting, and just do the work. And that really kicked me in the butt. And uh, I started with the idea of, you know what, I'm going to launch my show. I'm going to try to create the best content I can at first. Um, and I gave myself a timeline. I said, you know what? After my birthday, I'm a Virgo. So after my birthday, the show's going to launch and that's it. So I gave myself a couple months to really get myself in order, uh, put that time parameter, and then I launched it. But I really needed that community to really get me started. I'm finding that like community means everything. As much as we have access to a lot of people and things, there's nothing like that real-time connection it's it's very important uh, because a lot of times when you're creating content, you're by yourself. Like when I'm recording solo podcast episodes, I'm in my closet by myself. And a lot of times you don't even get interaction with people. Like maybe someone might hit you up and, you know, do a screenshot or, or interact with you. But a lot of times it's just crickets. Or you go in your analytics and you're like, okay, there's a couple hundred people here listening to me, but I don't know what they look like. Do they even exist really? Is this a bot? Like, what is this really? You know, is this a robot or is this a glitch? 
Um, so it can be very isolating to create content and even writing a book too. It's very isolating. You're just literally you and your thoughts and, you know, your canvas, but, uh, There's nothing like when you have a question and you need it to be answered immediately to be able to be like, hey, can you help me? Hey, what's your experience based off of, you know, what you've done? Um, Is this good? Is this bad? Like, what are your thoughts in it? And uh, I, I think that is really important. Like Google can only take you so far, I think. But having a community that could really amplify, amplify what you're doing. And so... Help me to fill in some other gaps. <laughs> so you started with a travel blog and it was only about travel. And then you started seeing some of your money mindsets and not wanting to live in the limitations of your budget. And you said you're going to get a big girl job and you're going to be able to figure out how to, how to make money work for you in terms of like travel. So when when did the finance strategy come in? When did you start? Uh, I love your your your. I don't think it's really a tagline, but you say you want to make travel a financial priority, and I've never heard it phrased like that before. So when did when did everything kind of come together? Yeah, I think for me that it all came together when I started writing about my student loan debt. And this was very early on, uh, early early in my 2015 journey. And I was writing about ways that I'm paying more or making more of the minimum payment, ways that I'm paying off my student loan debt faster. Because at the end of graduate school, I had $63,000 of student loan debt. Over 20 of that came from undergrad. I was really uh, fortunate enough to have a lot of scholarships to supplement that, but I could not get away from Great Lakes. Uh, they got me with 20, 20, over $20,000 of student loan debt, which I resisted. And in grad school, I had no options. I was like, just take all this $45,000, $40,000. So I was at $63,000 at the end of graduate school. Mind you, this is when I'm getting my big girl job and I want to save for travel. And I said to myself, listen, there's no way, there's no way that I can do everything and all the things that I want to do in life uh, with this, literally the shackles, uh, student loan debt is like, for me was shackles on my feet. Um, I was literally paying for a past and with every passing year, that past was became more and more faint. And I really didn't see the connection between having debt and living a fulfilled, uh, fulfilling life. So I had to really sit down on myself and say to myself, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to focus and pay off your student loan debt or are you going to live in New York City? Because I work in Midtown Manhattan. You're going to live in New York City and enjoy the lifestyle. And at the time, it was really hard to make that decision because I was with someone uh, who wanted me to live the lifestyle. And it was a big, uh, a big clash because I was like, listen, if I get out of debt, we could like really do things, you know? This $600, $800 every month I'm paying, um, we could really like do that and use that for other things. Um, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to stay home and live with my mom. And I budgeted it out and I figured out how long it's going to take me 
Um, I think I, I think I thought it would take me five years. And uh, I mean, when you're looking, when you're like in your early twenties, thinking five years away, you're like, sheesh, like this is so long. Uh, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to, you know, get out of debt and I'm going to work on this one thing. So I stayed home and um, I made more than the minimum payments. I literally threw so much money at my debt that I didn't, usually I didn't even know how much, uh, you know, how how far along I was since I was so ahead. Uh, but on my blog, I talked about my journey. I actually, every quarter, so every uh, three to four months, I would do a recap. I would talk about the challenges I was facing paying off my student loan debt. I would talk about, uh, you know, my goals, like what are the goals looking forward and how much I paid off. And, uh, lo and behold, people actually thought it was interesting. Um, in my circles, no one was talking about student loan debt. Um, still in my circles, people don't really talk about student loan debt. Um, and uh, I just thought it was a way that, you know, for me to be, tr- be be really transparent, this is what I'm struggling with. Maybe someone out there can relate and understand and feel my pain and potentially by seeing my journey, um, I could help them as well. So I really started off with my student loan journey about talking about money, um, but money has always been a really uh, big thing in my household and life. Um, my grandma's like, I call her the master saver. So she knew how to save money, stash money. Um, my mom is an accountant and she really prioritized and um, made sure that money was talked about a lot in my household. Uh, I opened up my first retirement account at the age of 15. So I had that financial acumen growing up. And I realized like through sharing my solo journey that, listen, like, Money and travel are related. You need the you need money to travel. And a lot of us have things that are financially holding us back, like student loan debt, like credit card debt. So how can we you know push those to the side and use the funds that we have for the things that really bring us fulfillment in life? So that's where travel and money uh, came together. What are what are your thoughts about the creation of income? So a lot of people talk about saving, um, but they also talk about how difficult it can be to save if you're not making enough to begin with. Yeah, I think those are, I feel like they're two sides of a coin. If you're looking to save more, the easiest thing you can do is work with what you already have. And that means if you want to save, you'll have to reduce your expenses. Um, And the way I think of expenses, there are wants and there are needs. The first things that can go are your wants. So for me, I actually don't have Netflix. I use my boyfriends. (laughs) So there are a lot of things that I just like cut, 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 cut down. Um, But at the same time, there's there's going to be a limit to how much you can cut until you start dipping into your needs. These are the things that you really need to live off of. And at that point, creating income, um, having multiple income streams becomes very, very important. So I do think that there are two sides of a coin. The easiest way to start, I think, is to save. And here's why I say it's the easiest way to start. 
because a lot of times it's not that we have an income problem. We have a spend problem. It's not about how much you earn and make a year. It's how much you save a year. You could be making six, seven figures and still be broke. So it's really about how much you have in reserves and how much wealth that you're really building versus how much you earn. Um, So I hope that clarifies it or makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's this whole conversation being had, and I think mostly on Twitter, but it's like the passports over Jordan's conversation. Are you familiar with that? Yes, 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 yes. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because like sometimes it just seems classist. Like I don't know that the majority of people who are wanting to travel are able to create enough disposable income to make that happen. I don't think that these are the Netflix uh, subscribers and the $5 latte a day havers. Right, right, right. There's something about like capitalism and being able to get enough ahead, you know what I mean? To be able to afford a plane ticket. It's really interesting because I don't believe in... Jordans or travel? Why can't we do both? Why can't we reserve for the Jordans and reserve for travel? The way that I travel and my travel style is I primarily save for it. And I save for travel continuously. And I treat it as a recurring bill, like everything else, like my mortgage, like my car payment, like everything else I need to pay for the month. I treat it like a recurring bill. So that's how I've built travel into my lifestyle. Um, I also personally have like an allowance. So with the allowance, if I save up enough, I could buy Jordans if I wanted to. Um, And I could also travel if I want to, too. So I personally don't believe in in either one or the other. I believe in having both. But remember, when you are pursuing multiple financial goals, it might take you longer to get there versus if you were just focusing on one. Um, So I'm from the philosophy, I'm a multifaceted saver. So I save for multiple things at the same time. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, you're really going slow and steady there. But again, I'm going slow and steady. And you're going to see me on my next trip on Instagram. Um, Because I just really believe, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) but it's true it's like I feel like everyone wants this immediate immediacy and there's nothing wrong with not being able to afford things I think not being able to afford things really can challenge you and push you to figure out a way to be creative like my first trip to Paris it didn't just happen because I had it I was balling no I had to be creative I had to figure out you know how can I reach this financial goal and it took me all year um, just an example right now, my, uh, my fuel tank at home is literally is about to bust. And, uh, I called the fuel company and they were like, it's $3,500. I was like, shoot, that's a lot of money. But at the same time, I was like, okay, this is a challenge. Okay. Let's save this $3,500. And it's going to take me months. It's going to take me a while, but I just find things as a game and I find it like slow and slow and steady wins the race. Um, And really being okay and being patient that you can't have everything right now, uh, but in due time, in due time. Um, 
also regarding wealth creation, like you, you talk about uh, multiple streams of income. So being able to not just rely on your big girl job, but also having other things to make you money so that you could reach your goals as well. Is, is that something that you avidly teach, uh, creating multiple streams? It's not something that I avidly teach. I am still trying to figure it out myself, but it is something that I wholeheartedly believe in. And I try to absorb as many resources as possible that talk about that. Um, having one income stream really puts you at a handicap because if that goes away and the way things work now, it could at any point in given time. Uh, you know, they say that most uh, Americans only have like $400 in their emergency funds. So we, a lot of us, you know, just kind of depend on our nine to five as a crutch. Um, so I really do believe in creating multiple income streams. Um, a lot of it in the beginning might be trading time for money. Um, so again, you making sacrifices there. You, you're literally having to be away from your family, your friends or whatever you're doing to carve out time to make this extra money. But a lot of what I'm learning right now is more so investing and how you can build wealth through, uh, maybe like stock market trading or real estate investing. Um, there are lots of options out there, uh, but I think it's really important to find out what's important to you, um, and also, I, I also look at the other income streams as like extra. So again, I try to live below my means on what I have at my nine to five. And then if anything else comes in, great. Um, put that towards another goal. But I'm not uh, relying on that for day-to-day expenses. So the degree that you got in 2011, that was a BS in business administration. And then your grad in 2013, you got in healthcare administration. So that led you to your current position. You're a full-time research admin, admin, (laughs) research (laughs) admin at a medical school in New York City currently, correct? Yes, that's correct. You do your research. Woo. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, do you like your job? Oh yeah. I, I really, I love what I do. Um, I really love the fact that I can, I can really create and help make an impact in uh, the medical field without being a scientist myself, and it's something that I fell into. So I am very analytical. I'm system driven. I uh, really see a process from A to B. I'm very project management focused. Um, so I love it. I do love it, and um, it's an important part of uh, who I am. So with that, like, that is something that you see being a part of your life for the foreseeable future, since you love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I was just curious, because that has nothing to do with anything that you <laughs> <laughs> oh, Just the offhand, offhand question. <laughs> well, it has, it has, your job, literally, like, you don't talk about any of that. Like with your travel and your finance and all the other projects that you're like, it's completely separate. So I was just curious about it because a lot of times like there are veins, right? So you have little offshoots of things, the blog and then the podcast and the Facebook group. But like this is like its own. Yeah. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yeah. 
just yeah, but I, I mean, I, I make it clear. Like, um, I think a lot of people think that I, I do, I'm a content creator full time. I mean, that, that sounds great. Thank you for, you know, thinking so highly of me to create content full time, but I, I do this part time, um, my blog and my podcast and the Facebook group, these are all, um, in addition to my, my nine to five. So what, what exactly does your job entail? You say you get to be in science without being a scientist. Right. So think of it as really a project manager. So you have scientists who are working on their research proposal. So I really work in grants. I'm a grants administrator. And you have scientists who work on their research proposal, the science. They're they're requesting funds from a sponsor to do this important science work. Now, a lot of these applications for these grants, they're tedious, they're cumbersome. So So a lot of times the scientist has to not only work on the science, but also all these admin pieces, the budgeting and all this stuff. Um, it becomes really cumbersome. So what my job is to do is to alleviate the scientists of worrying about the administrative burden. So I will help with the budgeting. I will help with putting the applications together, make sure the compliance is there, uh, make sure that they're ready to go. All they have to do is plug it in, plug in their science and hopefully get funded. Uh, so I like to think of it as a project manager. So I'm really managing the grant application process. Um, and I love it because I can work independently. Um, I, because I'm a manager, like a project manager, I'm really help guiding them along. And again, I'm not a grant writer. Like I don't write grants, but it's critical to the success of a, of a, of a project to get funded if all the pieces are in place. Okay. Well, you know, I've always, oh, I've always wondered about who gets their funding from where, because it seems like sometimes there's an agenda when it comes to, I mean, everybody has an agenda, right? But that's the thing about science is it's, it's, it's supposed to be agenda-less. <laughs> like, it's just supposed to tell you the truth because it's science. But it seems like, yeah, they, a lot of times based off of where the money is coming from can skew the results or perhaps it's the scientist itself that skews the results. Do you have any ideas about that? I, I actually don't. Um, it's interesting because like when you have a grant and the sponsor, a lot of times they're looking for a specific research project. They're looking for a specific outcome or they're looking for uh, a solution for a specific problem. So there are a lot of guiding principles there, um, but it really depends, I think, on the funder of, um, and also is it a contract versus a grant? So there's like a lot of gray, uh, gray area. Uh, but I love, I love my, uh, my career. It's very niche. It's something that I fell into. And I think most research administrators fall into. It's not something I think now they're starting to have master's degrees for it, but, um, it's something to consider if you are looking for a career path that is healthcare administration focused. And it's great because I got my master's in healthcare administration and I'm doing it in healthcare setting. So it's like a really great, uh, a great fit for someone who wants to be involved in healthcare, but know that they're really strong in administration versus the science. Are you one of the only black people in your office? No. Oh, so what is that like? 
but we're in New York City, so it's like it's a huge melting pot. So that could that could be a, a thing. Yeah, true. True. True that. <laughs> <laughs> um I like something you said going back to travel a little bit. I like that you said that being financially savvy um it's not about inexpensive travel. It's about getting the most from your travel experiences and finding creative ways to make travel a part of your life. So what are some experiences that you have really treasured and what are some creative ways that you you include travel in your life? It's interesting because I said that statement because I was just so tired of people like you're a budget traveler. I'm like, "Uh, no. I have the money to spend, but I really want to make sure that my spending is intentional. And I'm spending where I'm getting value because money is really a tool. It's a value exchange, right? If you buy something for $5, it's because you think that this item or experience or anything is worth that. So for me, financially savvy travel is more about aligning your spending with the experiences that you want to have versus just going for the cheapest thing uh, just because you want to save a buck. So, um, I am frugal. Yes, I could I could be frugal, but again, like I for some reason I have expensive taste. And my favorite travel experiences are in the most expensive countries in the world. We're talking about Iceland, we're talking about Bermuda. These places are not cheap. But I always find creative ways to make it affordable. And I would think about I think about like my my favorite experience Travel experience was probably snorkeling in Iceland, snorkeling in Silfra. So Silfra is a fixture where the North American and Eurasian tectonic plates are shifting apart. So they're literally pulling apart. And in between, there's this crystal clear water where this water has been infused in these molten lava rocks for, I mean, years. And the visibility down there is amazing. And if I was just, you know, looking for, you know, the cheapest thing, I would have missed out on this incredible experience. Um, It's really, it was really amazing and breathtaking. I mean, after I got out of that uh, snorkeling, like my face was swollen and I couldn't move my lips because it was so cold. But it's one of the most amazing experiences I had. And for me, that's what fuels Um, My my financially savvy traveler's philosophy um, is because, again, it's not about the cheapest thing. It's about the thing that will bring me the most fulfillment. And because my funds, my travel funds are, you know, limited, like there's a start and stop to my money, um, I have to really figure out what am I going to spend on and potentially what are the free things I'm going to do, but still have a really, really good time. It's I used to use that word limit quite a bit. Um, when I left to travel, uh, it's been about four years now coming up on the anniversary. I used to say I have this finite amount of money. And this was like my roadway to freedom or whatever you want to call it. It was a runway like for me to figure out what I was going to do. But having that idea that I had a finite amount of money it, I was always pretty good at budgeting, but like it helped me to, like you said, really hone in on 
the experiences that meant something to me. Is this worth, is this what I really want? Is it worth it? Or am I just like doing it because everybody else is doing it? Am I doing it because it's popular? Um, but it's the same thing at home. Like, are you spending money on a gym just because you think that it's what you need versus like, maybe you would rather take dance classes or just go out dancing, like finding what works for you. Um, so I found myself spending like on average about $10 a day to be able to travel the way that I, I wanted to travel. Um, I like what you say on your website. Um, you talk about your why, about why, the thing, why you do the things you do. You say you want to serve the world. You want people to know that they can afford to travel. They can pay off debt and build wealth. Um, and you want to give actionable, actionable financial advice um, and provide travel hacks and money tips. So I wanted to ask you, what what is one or, or maybe two pieces of actionable financial advice that you would tell anyone just starting off? So one of the things I would say to anyone looking to get started is, do you have a travel fund? Do you have a separate bank account where you can prioritize your finances? If you're anything like me, I really struggle with having all, like pretty much all of my expenses in one bank account. So what I do is I actually have multiple bank accounts. I have somewhere like 11 or 12 at this point, maybe more. Um, and travel again, like we talked about in the beginning of the episode is to me like a recurring bill. So what I do is I save for it every month and those savings aren't just lumped in, you know, arbitrarily they're put away in a big account that's devoted to my travel goals. Um, so I think that really, um, it really helps. It helps for you to not only for tracking your savings purposes, but it gives you the motivation to be like, wow, I have, I actually have money here. I could actually uh, hop on a flight deal. Um, I'm one of those travelers who are obsessed with cheap flights and it's really important for me to have money in my travel fund all the time. <laughs> so uh, that really, uh, that really helps to just keep you motivated so when you do have an opportunity, a really good opportunity that you can't pass up, that you have the funds to, to do so. Um, are you a points and miles user as well? Yes, I am a points and miles user as well. Uh, but I always say that for me, it's important to really get focused on the money that you have in hand first before you do these all these optimization strategies because... A lot of times in time when you're optimizing, you could really fall <laughs> and hurt yourself. Um, and if you're not tracking your money and you don't have a really strong budgeting habit, a, a really strong budgeting habit, then it's easy to fall into credit card debt. So that's why I always say, like, start off with the funds that you have in hand, figure out how much you're spending, uh, track your spending and see how much you can save before you do all these optimization strategies that could potentially have pitfalls. And what are some travel hacks that that you like to use? Yeah, for those who have uh, who feel like they have uh, really strong financial habits, uh, think about ways that you're spending the money that you have saved. So for me, one of the things I really uh, focus my spending on is the flights because a lot of places that I want to go to 
are far from home. So I prioritize finding cheap flights. And it really depends. Some people really like flight searching. Some people like hotel searching. Some people like activity searching. So figure out like which of these buckets you have an affinity for and really hone that. And if you're looking for deals, look for deals in one of those buckets that you're really passionate about. So for me, I love cheap flights because I love sitting, you know, next to someone who paid so much more than I did. And I'm looking at them like, ah, shaking my head. I spent, I did not spend that much to be here. Um, And that, I, again, that's like gamifying it. Like I I just find it really fun to save money. Um, And then again, those savings are going to be used elsewhere. It's not like an arbitrary thing. Um, it's literally going to be used to further my travels or, or do whatever else that I focus on. Um, so I would uh, say if you do want to go the, the cheap flight route to sign up for uh, cheap flight alerts. So these are services or websites that pretty much uh, scour the web all day, all night, and they email you or um, let you know when they find cheap flights in your region. Um, some of my favorite resources are free, but I actually uh, highly recommend the paid services as well because the paid services, they usually, number one, provide you with four times or five times way more deals than the free services. And the leads are quality leads. Like early on, I would find cheap flights and then you go to Kayak or Google and then it'll kind of, you're like, wait, I don't see a deal. Like, why are you just kind of like spent, I spent 20 minutes looking for this. Um, so the paid servers are really important. So my favorite ones are uh, Thrifty Traveler Premium and Dollar Flight Club. Okay. So there are, I wanted to ask you, what has your experience been like traveling as a black woman? So I think that question is, uh, question is very, uh, it's very interesting because I feel like everyone will have uh, different experiences when they are they're traveling abroad. Um, one of the things that I found is that traveling has really helped me with my self confidence. So I remember traveling early on to predominantly white countries in Europe, and I'd psych myself out and I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to be the only black person in this entire like establishment." And I would literally like think that people are looking at me and it would just like, oh, it was just so much of a burden to have all these thoughts. But over time, because I continuously push myself and I uh, go out there and go out in the world, I've come more to a place where it's like, okay, I'm maybe I look around and maybe I'm the only black person here, but who cares? I paid my way here. I saved. I deserve to be here like everyone else who are tourists, and I'm going to have a really good time. Um, So overall, I would say I've had really good travel experiences uh, being a black woman, but there are times uh, where it was uncomfortable or there are times I felt like discriminated against or, you know, I I remember going to Barcelona and uh, there was this restaurant and they were nice to me and they put me in the back, like this back room with all the other people of color. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Why are all the people of color in this back room and I'm not in the regular main dining area? Um, So that's, a you know, those are points where I really, again, like I said, like I value my hard-earned money. And if I don't feel like I'm respected, I don't feel like my dollar is valued here or whatever currency you use, like then I'm out. 
Um, so those are the things that I just stick with is just really not thinking about what people think of me or whenever I'm at a place and also making sure that if I don't feel valued, that my dollar does not get spent there. That's interesting. The conversation that you were having with yourself about you belonging, had, had you experienced a sense of not belonging like in America or in Haiti? No, I mean, no, I wouldn't say not belonging. Um, I mean, I went to high school in a predominantly white high school. So I feel like I just, you know, like when you're the token, like you just, you know how that feels. And um, I just had these thoughts, you know, I just had these thoughts of like, uh, I remember it was specifically going to Ireland and I was like, my first time I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be like the only black person here. Um, And uh it was interesting to have those thoughts. But again, I think it's important to catch those thoughts and be like, okay, I'm thinking about this. Why am I thinking about this? Like, and then when you get there, it's like, you know, pushing past those and being open to the experiences. Um, and again, I feel like that place for, I'm heading to China in a couple of weeks. Um, thinking about that too. Like I'm actually not, it's not even going to cross my mind, you know, um, because I've just, train myself. I put myself out there. Like as a traveling black woman, when I travel, I, I can tell when there are black people around, you know, and I can tell when they're not black people around. Um, but again, it's just being confident in who I am. And again, like I, I saved a lot of money. I, I put a lot of heart, sweat and tears to be here. So I'm going to make sure that I have as good of experience as I possibly can. And if I have a say in anything, my money will not get spent at institutions that or establishments that don't value me. Do you have any self-care practices uh, that help you to kind of maintain your focus? Yes, like, I would say. I guess, yeah. I guess more maintain yourself. <laughs> okay, but I was like, oh, focus at work or focus here? Um, I would say self-care. So I love to run. So I'm a big runner. And one of my goals now is to run 14 miles this winter and like nonstop in one session. So I really love uh, running, especially outdoors. I love the fresh air. I love the scenery change. So being active is really important uh, to me. And also it's really important for my mental clarity. Uh, There's a lot of ideas. As a content creator, there's always a bunch of ideas that are in my mind. But when I can just focus on, you know, getting sweaty, working out, um, that really helps. Um, And when I'm not able to you know, go on a run. I love to do spin. So I make sure I do my spin classes every week, uh, rigorous workouts. And that really helps, helps me a lot. You were also a professional step dancer. Professional. (laughs) Yeah. When, when we say step, we're not talking about like a Chicago step in the name of love step. We're talking about what you would do at a Greek kind of function. Yes, yes, yes. So that's really cool. You was out there, you know, tapping them toes, making them beats, <laughs> making the beats. I was, I was out there. I was definitely <laughs> out there for that year. It was really fun. It was like so fun. I, I've always been this creative person. Like, if it's not one way or the other, it's gonna come out some way. So it's just awesome to be able to uh, be creative and as a dancer. And um, is there anything in particular that helps to keep you grounded? I would say uh, having small lists. So what I try to do is uh, 
I mean, there's a lot going on, right? Like I have a full-time job. I have all these side projects and passions. So I try to, the night before I go to bed, to create a short list, a to-do list. Um, and I don't make it overcomplicated. It has to be something I could do in one sitting. Um, nothing crazy like answer all your inbox emails. Like that sounds like a lot, right? Um, so just making a short list of things that I can accomplish the next day has really helped me. Um, I'm one of those people that I thrive on accomplishments and I thrive on uh, getting those wins. So knowing that, how can I uh, do things that can really help um, help foster that? So making short lists has really helped me. Yeah, I think I've called it like a tomorrow list or something like that, but that helps me so much. Um, I don't always manage to keep it small. Something that I'll do is like use a post-it note because the size restriction matters. <laughs> nice. That's, that's actually a really good hack. That's a great hack right there. Wow. Yeah, the size matters. Um, I've even taken like a regular eight by 10. How big are those sheets? <laughs> a regular yeah, sheet. Yeah. Mm-hmm, folded mm-hmm. it folded it a couple times so it's um four sides and I'll try to do like a a today list on that as well but yeah the the post-it note worked for a while (laughs) until it evolved (laughs) I I I outmaneuver myself so I have to like find ways ways. (laughs) (laughs) but that's really interesting that that helps you helps keep you grounded I like that that's a lot of self-awareness there because it's like, okay, I need to achieve stuff. I feel bad if I'm not achieving. We're not necessarily bad. This like not fulfilled, I suppose, is better. But um, I like that you address that. So it's just like, if I'm accomplishing something, then that helps me to feel more myself. So that's really cool. Um, how do you like to explore a new place when you are traveling? Definitely by foot. And a lot of the things that I do are really random. So I've moved away from planning everything of my trips. So more of just like getting down at a new city and really just kind of having maybe a couple of things that I want to see and do, but just really leaving it up to chance and see, you know, what happens. Um, One of the things I try to do in every trip is to try to get to a viewpoint So perhaps that's like the tallest place in the city or a hike or just being able to literally just stand and and take all the view in. Uh, That's a theme for me. And that's really been really important. So I try to do that as much as I can. I also try to go on a free walking tour. Um, I love free walking tours uh, because a lot of them is like you pay what you think the tour is worth and you're getting a lot of value because you're learning about the city. So if I can, I try to do the walking tours one or two days when I, as soon as I land um, so that I can, you know, be able to go back to some of these places with a new perspective and fresh eyes. And a lot of these places, you know, they teach you the history. So getting a, a deeper dive into the place I'm visiting versus just looking at architecture or pretty buildings walking tours seem to be very popular amongst the travelers on this podcast (laughs) yeah yeah I like that um do you take pictures of yourself when you are at these gorgeous vantage points I try. I feel like I have to do a better job at it. And every time I write a blog post, I'm like, gosh, I don't have pictures of me. <laughs> I have I have more pictures of the landscape than I do 
uh, do of me. Uh, but I, I do, I do try to uh, put myself in the image again because it's like seeing your face there can really inspire someone who's fearful or who has reservations or limitations uh, versus just seeing a pretty picture, which could be a stock photo. So I think being in front of the camera is really important, something that I'm trying to do more of. But it could be challenging if you're traveling solo. Yeah, a lot of the ladies have their whole setup um, with the tripod and like the self-timer or like a remote. (laughs) Like they Mm -hmm. spend some time like getting their techniques together. Um, Do you have any hobbies or interests that aren't necessarily about making money? That's a great question. <laughs> like anything else besides making money, Daniel? Um, well, it's so funny because like my family says all the time, right? They're like, <laughs> um, let's see. I do. Do I? I think so. I do. I, I try to. <laughs> Listen, the things I like to do make me money. I'm so, I, you know, I can't help it. <laughs> making money like that's just how my life works <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it sounds so terrible but it partly is the truth <laughs> it partly is the truth um yeah so I think I would say uh I really like to listen to podcasts um I really like to be well versed even if like sometimes when you listen to podcasts you're hearing things that you're not ready to hear yet but it's good to have like this like big world view so a lot of my time will be uh, either creating content for myself or my platforms or listening to podcasts um, it could be true crime podcasts for more of like downtime versus like you know entrepreneurship podcast or book pod you know there's so many different things but uh, podcasting is one of the things that I really enjoy outside of making money. <laughs> <laughs> working on it, working on it. <laughs> um, I usually ask my guests, is there a song lyric or a poem that speaks to you these days? Um, and I have a feeling yours is not going to be more money, more problems. It was actually going to be that. No, it, it wasn't. It literally was, but I was going to no, say that. Are you for real? <laughs> no, but here's my twist on it. Like, I okay, let me try to think of another one. I'll think of another one in the meantime. But more money for me does not necessarily mean more problems. And I feel like that is a is a scarcity mentality. So I try to keep on reminding myself that more money does not mean more problems. More money means more opportunities to help others. More money means more, um, more financial freedom, more uh, freedom to do what you want. Um, so really just changing that narrative. So it's a twist to that. But I can't think of anything else right now. You got me. So, you got- <laughs> you're basically saying... Wow, if you have more money and you have more problems, that means you have a money management issue, actually. Uh, spending, <laughs> right? Like, you have a spending. In his song, he talks about all the things he spends on, you know? So that could be a spending problem. My goodness, I love it. Wow, how random. I love it. Good, though. That was a really good guess. <laughs> um, I would love to have listeners support your work. So how can they uh, let them know? Is there a particular piece of content or your websites, 
your social media? How do you want people to connect with you, please? Yes, thank you. Absolutely. So you can connect with me over on my blog, thoughtcard.com. And I will share with you guys one of my favorite articles is Seven Steps to Becoming a Financially Savvy Traveler. So it really talks about uh, the things that I think are really important to developing this financially savvy traveler mindset and actionable tips to get started. That could be a great place to start. Um, on my blog, I really, again, talk about travel and money and how it all plays together and, and really with the focus of uh, living the life that you have designed for yourself, uh, your optimal life. And for my podcast, um, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Pandora. That's a recent win. Uh, and that show is aired every other Thursday. And I really focus, again, on bringing real stories of financially savvy travelers who are traveling and also finding creative ways to earn and pay off debt. And um, I'm working on a book. And my book is going to be called Affording Travel. And if you are a podcaster and you're looking for community and you're a woman of color, I invite you to come on Facebook and join us. Uh, we're WOC Podcasters on Facebook, and we have a website as well, WOCPodcasters.co. Okay, so you have the WOC Podcasters Facebook group, and then you have WOCPodcasters.co. You said that there's a robust blog where you have all types of resources, Um for everything podcast. So I yeah. will I will yeah, put that it. in the show notes. Yes. Um, is there anything that you wanted to share that I did not ask you about? No pressure. Yeah, I would just say that uh I want to leave everyone everyone with the thought that uh you can you can do the things that you want to do in life. Um, um, it might take time clearing what you want and focusing on that and working towards that. Uh, at least for me, it's been one of the key themes in what has worked for me. And um, there are a lot of times where, you know, you might feel defeated. You might feel like you're not moving fast enough. Uh, but just keeping at it and knowing that it's possible uh, really can really can do wonders. You can look back at your life and say, wow, I, I did a lot of these things um, despite the odds. Okay, that is the word. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for that word and for coming on to the podcast, making time for us today. Miss Busy Lady, Miss Billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> sharing the wealth, sharing the wealth. Thank you so much for having me. This was a, a really great discussion and enlightening for me as well. Oh, I'm glad. Well, you take care of yourself. You have an excellent evening. I know you're probably ready to pack it in for the night. You too. Thank you. You too, you too. So glad to connect with you. And I will see you out on the internet streets. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.